0: Welcome to How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships from True Story FM. Today, it's time to upgrade your toaster to 2.0.
1: Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Seth Nelson. And as always, I'm here with my good friend, Pete Wright. Today, we're talking to Karen Covey, author of When Happily Ever After ends how to survive your divorce emotionally, financially, and legally. Karen has been working as a divorce professional for over 25 years as a mediator, arbitrator, decision coach, and more. She's come up with an online program called Divorce Roadmap 2.0 that helps people navigate the challenges that come with divorce. Her mission as a divorce coach is to educate and empower people to get through their divorce with less damage, conflict, and expense. Karen, welcome to the toaster.
2: It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: So Divorce Roadmap 2.0. Is Divorce Roadmap 1.0, you just drive right off the cliff? I'm and Louise. Is that what's happening there? I saw there? that movie. Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But it doesn't have the best ending. So the 2.0 version is hopefully going to give you a better ending.
0: I, I hope so. Look, I read I, I started reading up on your material on online, and I'm, I'm I know Seth is going to love this. Uh, it, it there's a lot that's positioned on uh, using your uh, lawyer uh, your lawyering resources reasonably. Like you, let's let's use your lawyer for what they're really good for. Now, Seth's a divorce lawyer, and you're a divorce lawyer, and. You're just are pitching. Let's use your divorce lawyer less. Uh, let's let's do less lawyering in the divorce process. Yeah, but Pete, when you when you said that,
1: like. What came to mind when you said, let's use your lawyer for what they're really good for. <laughs> I just threw in the word nothing in my head.
0: <laughs> that is not, that true. is not true. There are statutes, <laughs> may it please the court. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about what uh, what the divorce—just re- to get us into the program. I thought we'd talk a little bit about what, what the Divorce Roadmap 2.0 is. And then let's use the opportunity. We have— the two uh, divorce lawyering brains on the show plus me and let's build an, an actual case for how you can use your divorce lawyer the best what do you think sounds good all right let's do it tell us about the roadmap first
2: Okay, so the Divorce Roadmap is an online program that people can access 24-7 on any device they have, anytime they want, for as long as they want, and it gives them an overview of how the whole process works, and then gives them an overview of the different areas that they're going to have to deal with in a divorce, like lawyers, like kids, like what process do you want to use, how does it work, and how do you figure out which process is going to be the best for you so it is primarily an educational tool delivered through videos and a lot of handouts a lot of sh- spreadsheets worksheets checklists whatever you need to help you whoa, 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 whoa,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa. back <laughs> up okay Karen you're talking so fast I got excited you said it has spreadsheets
2: yeah it's got a spreadsheet <laughs> oh, in it oh no.
0: oh no nice I'm
1: signing Sorry. up I'm signing up Pete <laughs>
0: We got to tell Andy to warn people not to say the word spreadsheets. The Pavlovian response is so fast for you; your face got it's all flushed.
1: Bait. I love it.
0: I know. I'm so excited. Oh my God, <laughs> so.
2: I, I didn't know. I, I'm yeah, sorry. No, I, I you weren't warned.
0: Know. How could you have known? Now I just have to clean up the mess. All right, spreadsheets. We're going to put that away. Uh, no, the, it, it really is. I mean, it's a useful tool. What what got you to the point where you where you thought, okay, I, th- there, there have to be two sides to this. One, I'm going to help the people that I'm working with. And two, I'm going to create this tool that's going to help me solve some problems in my lawyering, right? Like there's this education tool has to help you too, right?
2: It does because then people... It- People have all kinds of weird expectations about what's going to happen in a divorce and what's not. What is my lawyer going to do and what is my lawyer not going to do? And when people have expectations that aren't based in reality, um, they expect something from their lawyer that the lawyer is never going to give them, and then they get upset, right? And then the lawyer's upset because the people are upset, and then it, like it, it's it's not a good place to be. And the reason, the genesis for all of this was years and years ago when I I was practicing law in a small office. My, it was only my secretary and me in the office. It was hot. I was with a client. The door was open. So my secretary heard the conversation after the client left. And the secretary had worked for a bunch of big law firms in Chicago. She said, you know, no one else does that. And I said, what? And she said, because I went through all of the processes and all of the choices that they had and explained everything to him. And she said, most lawyers, the ones that she'd worked for, and they were the big big kahunas in the city. She said, they don't do that. They just, and I said, well, what do they do? And she said, they tell the people what they're going to do. And I didn't think I had that right, right? It's not my life. I can tell you what your choices are, but I think I'm obligated to tell you your choices. And so that's what I did. And I realized that there was a need for that kind of education for people from someone, you know, in, in a way that they could relate to and rely on. So that's what I created.
0: Because divorce is not an oil change,
1: Seth. It's not. Pete. We've got our title for the show, (laughs) Divorce is Not an Oil Change. And I don't mean this show. I'm actually going to lobby Andy (laughs) to change from How to Split a Toast to Divorce is Not an Oil Change. (laughs) But even when you get an oil change, don't you have some peripheral decisions to make? Like, do you want to rotate your tires? You know, can we fill out some other things? All right.
0: There might be a spreadsheet involved.
1: There you go. But, Karen, I like what you said about making giving clients choices because, as we've talked about before, Pete, when you're reaching an agreement, you can reach an agreement in the great state of Florida, check your local jurisdiction that the court can't actually order in court, such as paying for college. So that's a choice that you have. Maybe you agree uh, you both will contribute towards your children's college education. But in exchange for that, you're not going to divide this account between the two of you. You're setting it aside outside of the division, you're earmarking it for the kids' college. Judge cannot do that. But you can reach that agreement. And that's just a choice that people have to make,
0: right?
2: There are a lot of choices people will face in divorce that they never think about.
0: Well, and that that leads us to our, our principal question, that let's just say, it's time for me to get a divorce. How do I walk in 8 a.m. day one to my attorney's office and start that conversation with an eye toward making the proper use of that legal resource.
2: It starts by understanding what your lawyer can do. And it helps if you're if you're walking into a lawyer. First of all, I'm going to assume you've chosen a lawyer. Right. Um, And you walk into a lawyer and you if you understand what you're going to what you're going to have to bring to the table, you can say to the lawyer, "Okay." What documents am I going to need? How can I organize them in a way that saves me money because it's the way you use, right? Do you want digital or do you want paper? Do you want, you know, like the little tiny things. And if the more organized you are and the more you can work with your lawyer as a team, the better experience both of you are going to have, the less money you're going to spend. And your lawyer is also not going to lose their mind, you know, doing, you know, doing things, in an inefficient way rather than efficiently.
1: And and on that point, Pete, I know some people are thinking like, are you serious? Like, I'm going through a divorce. I'm totally stressed out. And I'm not an organized person to start with. It's always an, um, an ambition of mine, right? It's okay. If you're not organized, it's okay. We have ways to help you get through the process. So if you come to me and you say, I am never going to get you these documents that you're asking for. I'm unorganized and I can say, thank you for letting me know. This is how we can solve this problem. That's scheduled two hours for you to come into our office and sit down with a paralegal and get ready, bring your laptop or bring your, you know, whatever device. Cause if you don't remember your password, we're going to do log into bank account change password, forgot password, you'll get the code, let's do it right now. And we can help you download all those documents. And that will actually be less expensive than that same paralegal sending you follow-up email, telephone call, me calling you, telling you we're getting closer, getting a client conference on, hey, what's going on with your documents? So it's okay if you're not organized. But coming to the table and saying, hey, Karen, this sounds great, but it's horrible." How can I do this when i 'm not an organized person? What would you say to that Karen
2: that makes what you said makes total sense you know it's it's about knowing who you are and knowing where you're at maybe you 're normally an organized person, but you 're in the middle of a divorce you 're an emotional wreck you 're not organized now that's okay, but don't pretend that like that you are and have your lawyer chase you because it's the millions of emails and follow up calls and the, the court appearances to say to the judge, I don't have that. I'll get back to you. Don't, worry, you know, give me another 30 days. All of that costs money and takes time.
0: Well, this is this is helping me because this is, you know, I'm, I'm trying to provide a framework for myself that says, what can I expect? What kind of coaching am I getting from my lawyer? What can I expect them to say to me? And one is they're going to want to find out how organized I am. So, one, stop lying to myself and don't lie to them about how organized I am. Right. Let's just cut to it and know that one way or another, we're going to have a problem to solve. And that is getting organized. That can be easy or hard. Okay. What's number two? Like organizing paperwork statements, that's one. Number two?
2: It starts by knowing what you want. So many times, lawyers, they're trying to resolve a divorce case. And they say to you one day, or they say to their client, hey, uh, what about this? And you're like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Okay, that sounds okay. And then they call you the next day, you go, no, I've changed my mind. And then the next day, it's no, I've changed my mind. And sometimes it's it's like trying to pin jello to a wall. And from the lawyer's perspective, they cannot settle a case. They're not going to settle it based on what they want. It's not they're divorce. They need to settle it based on what you're okay with. And that means you have to know what you're okay with.
0: Is it fair for me to say your lawyer actually doesn't care about the one way or another, right? The, it, like, the, it, this is not an emotional decision for you.
2: You mean for the lawyer?
0: Yeah, because, I, you know. Yeah. So Pete,
1: here's what I think you're saying.
0: Client comes to
1: me and says, I don't know what I really want to do about spring break. Should I do it every other year where I get the full spring break in and my spouse gets the, the even years and I get odd years? Or should we split it in half? As a lawyer, I do not care on that outcome. Ultimately, if you don't care. But if my client says to me, I really love spring break. Every year we take a trip. I don't want to divide it in half because I think that's going to mess us up. I'd rather have it every other year. Now I know what you want. I'm going to go argue for that, either in mediation, negotiations, in court, whichever it may be. But if you come to me and like, eh, I don't really care what I would tell a client, here's the positives and negatives. Because I've done hundreds, if not thousands of these cases, thousands of them. I've lived it in my own life for the last, I can't believe this, Pete, 16, almost 16 years since. Uh my former spouse and I got divorced, right? Like, so I have that that experience of raising a child in that in that environment. But ultimately I can tell you positive and negatives, but ultimately I don't I don't care. And it's not that I don't care as in care care. This is not what you're paying me to to do for you, right? Did I get that right, Karen? And Pete loves it when I'm wrong. So feel
0: free. Yeah, I have a bell.
2: No, <laughs> I think you are a hundred percent right. Um, it's and it's not about I don't think caring is probably the best word choice. It's not that a lawyer doesn't care if you, you know, have all of spring break or half a spring break. It's like it's not for it's not for them to say it's not their families.
0: Well, and that's that was actually kind of my point. And I I actually I like kind of where that went, because, you know, to, to Seth's point, your lawyer will care a lot when you tell them what you want. When you tell them essentially what to care about, they will fight for it. And care about it, but until that point, they're not going to make decisions for you.
2: Exactly,
1: which puts you in a bind if you're having trouble making the decisions. And I know Karen um, has a lot to say about that, so um, I like to use this um, this phrase because Pete always does it. Let's pivot to that.
2: Okay, that was a great phrase. <laughs> Man, <laughs> yeah, Pete, yeah, I, I stole oh. it from Pete. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I always tell I tell people that what they don't realize about divorce, or at least most people don't realize, is that you are going to have to make more major life decisions in a limited time frame than you will at any other time in your life. So getting through a divorce is really, in some ways, a decision-making exercise. And being able to make a good decision starts by Knowing what you want. And it starts even before the divorce, knowing if that's what you want or not. And it carries through every every negotiating item in your divorce. Do you want A or do you want B? Do you want, you know, two weeks in the summer consecutively or do you want them separate? Do you, what do you want? And only you can decide that.
0: So how do you how do you make how do you coach people through that decision making process? Somebody comes in and they're totally stymied about spring break. They're totally stymied about who gets the car or who gets the house. Like, where do you start if they just can't land on that point of readiness to make a decision?
2: It starts with understanding. First of all, I've got to make sure that they understand what their choices are, right? You can't make a decision unless you know what all of your choices are. So it starts always with getting information, seeing what all of the options are, and then doing the work inside that says, what is it, what matters to me? Because if you know what the most important things are to you and you make decisions with those things, goals in mind, you are going to make better decisions. If you just look at every decision in a divorce as a one-off, that's when you end up at the end of your divorce going, wait, how did I, how did this happen? How did I end up with, this isn't what I wanted.
1: So let me give you an example of that, Pete, that applies to a lot of people, whether kids or not. You're married, you own a house together. Okay. There's four choices. You sell the house, split the funds, one person keeps the house, right? but the other person's gonna want to get their equity out, half of it, right? I'm gonna talk about other issues there. The other person wants to keep the house, right? And the fourth one is the worst one. You get divorced and you stay living in the house together. That one's pretty easy to knock out. Is that, but it, in the, what, does that happen? It's a choice. I'm not saying it's a good one, but I've had it happen because they couldn't afford at the time to sell it. The market was down. The house was upside down. Think 2008.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess. Right?
1: They didn't have money to come to the table. They didn't want to go into bankruptcy. They did. There's a lot of reasons, but they didn't want to be married. Wow. Okay?
0: That's a choice. Okay, that's a choice. Tough one.
1: It's a choice. Yeah. So let's eliminate that. But I think the lawyer's job is to, one, Explain the choices and then the ramifications of those choices. If you're going to keep the house, is your name on the mortgage? Is your spouse's name on the mortgage? Do you have to refinance or get their name off the mortgage? Can you afford to do that? What's the down payment? What's the interest rate? Do you have enough income to support it on your own? There's all these practical things. That we have to discuss and maybe do some independent research/slash verification with a mortgage lender, a broker, your bank, get you know, all those items before we make the decision. Right? Caramel, am I on the right track here?
2: You're you're totally on the right track. And two for two,
1: Pete. Just (laughs) saying, two
0: for two. I don't love how this is going.
2: (laughs) Although Although I'll I'll give you a little bone here Pete.
0: Oh good. Okay.
2: That there is another option that I have seen happen too which is not necessarily a good option but it's that the two people continue to co-own the house together although one person leaves and so the one person's in the house both of them are still co-owners and they're going usually that's done for X number of years until the youngest kid goes to college or something like that. And then the house is sold. And that when you have people continuing to co-own a house after a divorce, it I mean, it can work beautifully or it can be a total nightmare because you have to try to think in advance of everything that could go wrong. And that's not easy.
1: And now you're talking what ifs, who pays for when the roof leaks? Exactly. Who pays when the water heater goes out, right? Well, wait a minute, I'm living in the house, I'm paying the mortgage, the taxes, and the insurance, but the mortgage payment is part principal and part interest, and so I'm paying down principal every month. In three years from now, when our youngest kids graduate high school, and we sell it, why does my spouse get half of that pay down of the mortgage?
2: And what about appreciation? What if the house is, is worth more in three years? They're going to get the value of that. But what about depreciation? Nobody wants to think their house will be worth less. But 2008 proved to all of us that that can happen. So you have to think of so many things in advance that it, it's not the cleanest choice. Let's put it that way.
0: Well, that gets uh, that uh, lets me find the rails again, because you just you guys both just presented uh, about two dozen what ifs. And now my head is spinning again.
1: And on those what ifs your head is spinning. Those are the hardest things to negotiate. Because they're what-ifs. Yeah. And everybody is doing the what-if down the road as if it's it's negatively impacting them. Therefore, they want the best outcome on the what-if
0: now. Because we're all stars of our own movies. Exactly.
2: And you can spend a whole lot of time and a whole lot of money in attorney's fees negotiating what-ifs that never, ever happen.
0: Okay. So, family law attorneys how do I get myself out of the what ifs? How do you ground me back in the reality of the decision I have to make now? It's simple. I just send you to Karen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's about, again, it, I hate to keep harping on it. It comes down to what you want, but what's important to you? If it's important to you that your kid stays in the house you know, until high school is over and there's no other way to do it, okay, well then maybe the what ifs you know, the danger of the what ifs, you're willing to deal with that. Um, But if there's any way you can make a clean break, that's going to be a whole lot better for everybody because it's just one and done and you move on. But it's, you know what it really is about? It's about risk assessment and risk tolerance. What are you willing to live with for what reason?
1: And to add to that, Pete, to get you out of the ultimate decision, you get away from that position. The position is I want to keep the house. I want to sell it, whatever. And you talk about your underlying reasoning for that decision. I want to keep the house because it's in a good school district. I want to keep the house because on my income, I'm not going to be able to afford to refinance and pay the higher interest rates that are going up. I want to keep the house because it's a mile and a half from My parents, and I'm caring for my elderly parents. So you got to look at the underlying reasons that you are getting to the ultimate conclusion or position. Because if you're dealing with the reasons, then maybe you can come up with a different solution, such as, well, wait a minute, in this division of assets you're going to get a large cash payment. So maybe you can use that to put down on a new house and you don't have the high interest. And by the way, you're in a four-bedroom now and just a mile on the other side of your parents' house is a two-bedroom that you can maybe buy for cash. So, So you can start getting to different solutions if you know the interests. But if it's just, I want to keep the house, You've got nowhere to go with that. You you can't work the
0: problem. It's just a line in the sand, right? It's just, or it's 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 more like a hard line. It's a line in cement, right? It's just a. It's just here's a statement. It's not a not a discussion, right? How often do discussions like this uh lead down from the perspective of the law a discussion around sort of the path of least resistance like here's what we can do most easily here's what can here's here's the easy thing versus here's the thing you want is that kind of if I come to you is that a discussion i need to be ready for or are you do you do you weigh in on least resistance options
1: shoot karen cuz i know my answer
2: <laughs> of course always you know, I mean, here's the thing is, as a lawyer, and, you know, I know lawyers get a bad rap, but most divorce lawyers I know are really trying to do a good job, right? And they wouldn't be doing this in this kind of area of the law where there's so much emotion involved if they didn't care. Most of them care and they want to do what's best for the client. So they're, you know, they're just They're really doing their best and they're trying to give the client options. And if, and they're going to say, this one's the least, the path of least resistance. This one is the cleanest. This is going to be the, you know, in my opinion, this is, would be the one that will be the best for you, but it's your life. If you want the other one, as long as you know what's involved, full disclosure, here's what you're going to face. It's still your choice.
1: And along those lines, Pete, just this morning. I was drafting a very complex marital settlement agreement that had a lot of moving parts, a lot of what-ifs, a lot of if this happens, we're now in a different area of law because it was dealing with trusts and estates. And so the more I drafted it, I was like, this is not good. And not that it wasn't a bad deal. Like I was drafting what everyone was basically saying they wanted to accomplish. And I got a hold of an estate trust lawyer. I said, this is what I'm doing. I'm, what do you think? I've been trying to get a hold of him and I got a hold of him. And he gave me some of the concerns that he had from that perspective, that area of law. Ultimately, I came up with a simpler way. It changed the deal. It had some things that maybe one side didn't want, but because it was simpler, they were willing to do it. We had a solution for that. So I took what was going to be a very complex legal document and simplified it, which if you can keep it simple, it is usually um, an easier, better outcome. Not in all cases. Sometimes you have complexities that you just have to have. But if you can keep it simple, I think that's always the way to go.
2: I couldn't agree more.
1: Three for three, Pete. Three for three. I'm just keeping count over here today.
0: <laughs> you know, you. I'm sure you have some lawyering to do. Karen and I can do this on our own. <laughs> <laughs> Karen, you were saying.
2: But I just, I just wanted to, you know, say like how brilliant Seth is because that's exactly right. The more I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but the more moving parts that there are in a document, the more complicated it is, the more it's liable to come under a t- to it uh, to come under attack later, and the more you give some lawyer in the future an opportunity to, you know, find a hole in the document because it's impossible for anyone to think of everything all the time that could ever happen in the future. Like, who thought COVID would be a thing? It's a thing, right? So we, you can't foresee the future.
1: When I find myself putting mathematical formulas and attaching Excel spreadsheets, I get very excited, but I know it's probably not the best legal document.
0: According to the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, approximately 10% of children live with a parent with an alcohol use disorder. This is an alarming
1: statistic as a family law professional who deals with custody cases regularly
0: finding the balance between the child's safety and helping the child maintain a relationship with both parents is one of the hardest things to navigate. Add in the he said, she said phenomenon that happens with divorcing couples who often weaponize alcohol use against one another, and the situation is even more difficult.
1: All of this is why Soberlink has been one of the most important tools for my clients dealing with these issues. Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring tool has helped over 500,000 people prove their sobriety and provide peace of mind regarding the child's safety. Soberlink helps keep the focus on the best interest of the child, which is really the most important part in a divorce case, dealing with children. I've teamed up with Soberlink to create a parenting plan guide to help people going through divorce that involves
0: alcohol in children. You can download it today at Soberlink.com slash toaster. And if you take a look and you think you're ready to order Soberlink, just mention How to Split a Toaster for $50 off their device price. Our thanks to Soberlink for sponsoring How to Split a Toaster. I, 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 I feel like in this the spirit of you know knowing what you want and uh, getting yourself organized this I, I keep landing on this idea of what is it or this question of what is it that tends to make a divorce more complicated is it that you come in emotionally disorganized or intellectually disorganized
2: I never really thought of it that way um but my my gut reaction would say emotionally I mean Every decision you make, whether people want to believe it or not, research has shown that every decision that we make from what to have to breakfast, to what to wear, to, you know, what to do in our divorce is all emotionally based. We want to think that we make decisions logically and rationally. What really happens is you make the decision emotionally, then you justify it after the fact, logically or rationally. So I would have to go with, you know, the emotional decision, the the emotional disorganization is... The hardest to deal with.
0: I mean, to that point, Zaffy, is it the emotion that actually made that marriage uh, settlement agreement more complicated, or is it was everybody? Is it that everybody was just so savvy with what they wanted that you know they were they were critically able to make your life worse?
1: I think there's some emotional aspects to what what I was drafting, absolutely in in the way things wanted to to lay out there. Um, but I do find when people get to the intellectual challenges of making these decisions, part of that is that grieving process. So if you have someone at acceptance, they're like, Yeah, this is a business transaction, let's go. Right. That that's that's easy on that side. And then they're frustrated because the other side isn't at acceptance yet in the grieving process,
0: right? To them, you're just trying to steal their house, right, in the divorce. Yeah. Right. Okay.
1: Exactly. And they're still emotionally attached. Um, and here's the thing is I think lawyers get street cred for being lawyers and people think we're smarter than we are, okay? I've seen a lot of lawyers that aren't necessarily the brightest bulb, right? But they pass the bar, they're practicing law. So when you say less complicated, some people are like, well, wait, I thought it was always complicated. But when you can take something that is complicated and simplify it, that I think is great lawyering. I don't want people to think like, oh, this is simple. It's not. I used to practice my opening arguments and my legal arguments in the car to Kai when he was eight years old. Because if I can explain it to an eight-year-old, I actually knew the judge might get it.
0: (laughs) Okay, all right. Uh, Next week, all the judges Seth has ever worked with. Stay tuned.
1: Uh, <laughs> yes. I'm changing jurisdictions yeah, now. <laughs> yes. Hello, Alabama.
0: Um, all this is making me think, and I, I know it's a hard process going through a divorce, but all this is making me think as we structure what you need to do to uh, have a better, more efficient, more effective relationship with your lawyer, uh, the, the question goes the other way. Uh, and, and really, that's what we're talking about. What do I need to do to be a better divorce client? for you, right? What do I need to do? Because if I become a better divorce client, that is, it sounds like sort of by definition, going to make a smoother divorce.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So Pete,
1: this is what happens in what they teach you in law school, and then what they don't teach you in law school, and what happens every day in every lawyer's practice that's dealing with litigation or, or some other contentious divorce or otherwise. You're presented with a series of, I'll put it in quotes, facts. A client comes in and starts telling you a story, and your job as the lawyer, if you let them tell the whole story, is to figure out what was relevant, what's not, what applies to the law, what's the problem, what are you trying to solve, what can the law do for you on that, are there exceptions to the rule, is there an exception to the exception of the rule, which just means you're right back at the rule to start with, because two negatives makes a positive, That's what they teach you. What they don't teach you, and I've learned this over my years of practice, is I ask my client to start with their question. Don't give me the story and then give me the question. Start with the question. So here's what I mean by that. Well, I bought the house premarital before we got married, And then we did an addition to it and then we, you know, it got some, a tree (laughs) fell on it and an insurance claim came in and I took that money and I put it into my grandmother's account because we owed her money. And then the next thing I know that we were getting a divorce, but like a week before he asked if he could put his name on the house and I thought that we were kind of rekindling and so is the
0: house mine or his? (laughs) I see what you did there. And let me just say, for the non-lawyers out there, what Seth just did must be hysterical to other lawyers because K- Karen is, hyster- is just rolling right now. And I- I'm just looking at this like, this is how I tell stories. Exactly. And you're not hiring a
1: lawyer to listen to your story. You're hiring your lawyer to solve a legal problem for you. And what happens is, and I get this a lot because I do free consultations. They are so thankful that they got a lawyer on the phone and they just want to tell their story. And I'm always like, wait a minute, if I could wave a magic wand and fix your problem, what's the problem? So I have them start there, which then leads me to ask a series of questions to get the relevant information I need to give them a legal opinion, right?
0: One of our very early episodes, you you made it very clear that you as a lawyer are not my friend. And I took great umbrage with that because uh, I, I thought in the movies that we were supposed to be friends when we golfed together and, uh, you know, all that stuff. But what you just described, it sounds to me, is a bartender.
1: Which I'm happy to be your bartender. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's a whole lot different than being a friend. I'll tell you, Pete, I've never yeah. gotten a tip for being a lawyer. Yeah, right.
0: You're bad, and, and you might just be the most expensive bartender, too. So I'm just, just saying. You serve good stuff.
1: I mean, I've never been like, objection, your honor, and the, and then the court sustains my objection, agrees with me, and my client slips a five <laughs> over. <laughs> that never happens.
2: As long as he's not slipping the five to the judge, you're doing good.
0: Yeah, you're doing fine. That's great. Oh, <laughs> All right. Uh, so we, we you know we've talked about just getting organized and knowing what you want the decision making process and and uh, you know em- embracing an understanding of the emotion versus the intellect if I could say anything as the 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 vessel of legal ignorance here, I think this is just a, a reset for me uh, of understanding how my lawyer is going to interact with me and how I should be expecting uh these conversations to go and i I hope if you're listening to this and you are going into the divorce process, that this helps you or, or grounds you in this expectation that they're not your lawyers, not your friend. And for this process, for the sake of this process, you probably don't want them to be. And let's let's go ahead and get divorced. Is that fair?
2: I think that's more than fair, because I mean, when you think about it, you want your lawyer to be objective. You want them to be on your side, but friends are not objective. They tell you what you want to hear. That's not going to help you if you're going to lose by hearing what you want to hear. You want to know the truth.
0: You want to know the truth. And uh, you can find out the truth in The Divorce Roadmap 2.0 uh, if you want uh, with Karen, but you can also, uh, you can also read the book. Uh, where would you like to point people to learn more about your good work, Karen?
2: They can find me on my website, KarenCovey dot com. That's K R E N C O V Y dot com. There's no Ian Covey, or I'd be related to someone famous, and I wouldn't have to work for a living. <laughs> um, so you can find me on my website. The book's available on Amazon, and the roadmap is available on my website as well.
0: And we will put links to all of those resources in the show notes, so you're just one click away from Karen. Good- goodness, that's all. It's just one click, one click, and you're on the road. Thank you so much, Karen.
1: this was yeah, this was great. I think. I think I'm going to go home tonight and watch little Thelma and Louise though I'm going
0: to
2: <laughs> you still haven't gotten past no, that huh <laughs> I'm, man, I'm,
0: I'm actually going to recut Thelma and Louise I'm just going to put a cut out of your head on on top of Gina <laughs> can I do that is that okay there's some probably some sort of
1: for, copyright uh, for, for me being three for three and being called brilliant you won this round Pete. <laughs>
0: Thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to this show. On behalf of the good Karen Covey and Seth Nelson, America's favorite divorce attorney, I'm Pete Wright. We'll see you right back here next week on How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships.
2: Seth Nelson is an attorney with Nelson Coster Family Law and Mediation with offices in Tampa, Florida.